0: If you're a fan of romantic comedies, you will know my guest today, Emily Nelson, as the hilarious Hillary in the rom-com Maid of Honor. In addition, Emily has had recurring roles on the most recent season of True Detective and also Code Black, so you know we're going to be talking some Luis Guzman, and if that wasn't enough, Emily just happens to be one of my favorite escape room accomplices, and you know I'm not doing escape rooms with no scrubs, so let's do this. Big bucks, no whammies, stop! It's Emily Nelson on *Breakfast*. Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast! This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> my uh, guest today... Oh, I'm gonna need to hear all about that. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> As you just said, you're not a prostitute. What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilized the hydraulics. Some salsa and some sour cream and some guacamole. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope.
1: Wow. I can't wait to meet her. She sounds amazing. (laughs) She sounds like a great person, right? Yeah. No whammies is right. Can I tell you? I literally say no whammies in my own head pretty often.
0: Do you really? Oh God, yeah. See, I knew I manifested something of your of your essence. Called, yeah, I love yeah, it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, like, so let's let's start by talking about maid of honor because okay. I, I think that was a big job for you. Uh, it was a huge job. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was great. I mean, I think it's the kind of job every. I can't imagine there's. I mean, not, look, rom coms aren't everybody's cup of tea, but. We got to travel. Yeah, okay.
0: You say yeah. that, though, but a good rom-com, a good rom-com should yeah. be everybody's cup of tea.
1: Well, you know what? This movie, in my experience, and maybe other people have had different experiences now, but like when it first came out, there were people who were very excited, but there's kind of a lot of naysayers, you know, that sort of nitpicking and not really liking it for various reasons. And then, you know, it played for a few years, and we've been so lucky because it continues to play. Yeah. But something happened, I think, like... Well, I guess it was. I I think I wasn't aware. But in the last, like, two or three years, I suddenly started getting recognized way more often, like, out of nowhere. And every time it's a girl who's about 26 years old. And I think there was this whole slew of 16-year-olds who watched that movie on repeat, like the way I did 16 Candles, right? And it's one of their favorite movies. They know it backwards and forwards. And then all of a sudden, I'm like trying to share the outlet at the cafe with them. And they're like, I know you, you know, and uh, it's really sweet. It's really cute. So, I think they really loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I can I can attest to this because you and I went to an event together, a for your consideration Emmy oh, event. Remember? That's right. Uh for what was it? For True Detective, because you were on yeah, a Season that's of True right. Detective. That's right. And someone came up to you and recognized you yeah. for made of I I was I there when it asked, happened. Did
1: she asked to take a picture. She
0: took a picture she with did. you. She yes, did. Oh my I God. That.
1: I was feeling famous. So that was for like so two I think it what does you're saying happen. is correct. I mean, I know. It's one time um, I was in Nordstrom's and uh I like Nordstrom's for like, oh my god, I need a fancy outfit right now. That's, yeah, that's what Nordstrom's is about for me. So I head down to the Grove and up on the second floor they have a women's department, which means those of us who are women. Okay, you know, sure, right? Because it turns out a lot of people are down. ladies. Yeah, but some of us are women. Women. Uh, and uh, it was this good section. Anyways, I'm walking around, can't find it. I go over to the teeny bopper section and I you know, asked the girl who's working there. And I said, hey, you know what happened to it? And she said, oh, it's gone. They took it out. And I was like, no, because clearly I was in a hurry looking for clothing at that moment. And uh, it's hard to find another good women's department nearby. And then the girl starts laughing. And honestly, for a minute there, I thought she was almost like, laughing at, like, old lady looking for the plus section. Like, I was a little, like, so I was like, hey, what's so funny? Because I'm not going to stand for that. And she goes, oh, my gosh. She immediately starts calling. She goes, I'm so sorry. She's like, you just remind me of somebody in my favorite movie. And, of course, because I'm a <laughs> attention hound, I'm like, well, what movie? What movie Wait, What, you, what movie is that? And uh, she's like, oh, no, no. She goes, you just, you remind me of this. She Well, she plays Hillary in this movie, Maid of Honor. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's me. And then she does this sort of like double take and like ages Hillary in her mind. And she goes, ah, oh, it is you. I was wow. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think at some point she even said somebody younger. And I was like, see, that's the, the great and the terrible thing about film is that it captures what you were doing at a particular moment in time forever. And 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 it's, you know, lots of people can see it. Film and television can be transported all over the world. You know, you can get a huge audience. But it doesn't age. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you know, Dorian Gray. You you change, but you're in this one. You're the painting. It's the opposite metaphor, actually. For those of you who've read it, you got
0: to shoot that. You shot on several continents for that movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: We well, America for one. Uh, North America, North America, and then we went to uh, when the Isle of Skye for just in Scotland for just about over a week, and it was. Awesome. It is such a beautiful place. You're up there. I, I'm, my geography is bad, but the, the North Sea, I don't know if it's the Adriatic, but the water is fierce and cold and it's a very rugged landscape. Um, is that by the wall? What wall? The wall that divides us from the wildlings? <laughs> oh, no, that's Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's n- <laughs> not that one. No, that might be on another island that I wasn't on, but I don't know. Uh, it's just a beautiful place. We shot there, we stayed in this old inn. Uh, run by this English couple. And it was a mile, if you wanted to get to the road, you had to walk a mile down, no, 2.5 miles down and 2.5 miles back. There were just sheep everywhere. It was pretty fantastic.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to mention yeah. that before we came in, uh, you gave me a gift. I did. I is, came bearing uh, gifts. Very appreciated. I, and uh, not, not necessary at all, but of I course appreciate that. it. Uh, and I'm very excited about this. It's a uh, local hive SoCal honey. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, tied into the theme of where we had breakfast.
0: Oh, is it? Did you? Yes. Did we get it from the uh, humble bee?
1: I didn't get it there. It's oh, but. Just oh, yeah. We did. honey. Eat, yeah. Well, look,
0: <laughs> since we mentioned humble bee. Also
1: bees. <laughs> why don't we talk about
0: our breakfast that we had okay. at humble bee? Yeah. Uh, but thank you for the honey. Uh, You're welcome. I appreciate it. Enjoy it. And I, I will put it, it cool. to good use. Yay. Uh, so we did have breakfast at humble bee. Yeah. I had the yeah. turkey sausage and spinach omelet, which was like had some mm. caramelized onions, some jack cheese, had some sliced home-style potatoes. It was delicious. Uh, and then I had one of their specialty drinks. I had the uh, green flash, which is like green mm. apple, celery, spinach, bell pepper. Sounds weird together, but it was delicious. Parsley, kale, lemon, ginger, a little spicy. i a little spicy drinks and also a lot of s- stuff in there. Um, and you had the belta sandwich. Yeah. Which, which is, is a B- B-
1: BLT. It's a B- BLT, right. With
0: an E, which is the egg. Yeah. And an A, which is the avocado. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. It's very new, new, nouveau California.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very like a farm to table type place. Yeah. It's uh, like, I'm going to
1: have the avocado but mm-hmm. and the egg. And you know what? Bring back the bacon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the food there and I enjoy the drinks there. I've been there a bunch of times. It's also like we—I always like to talk about how it is as a creative place. I've actually sat in there and written quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that know. makes sense. The atmosphere they, is awesome. Yeah, they have some—they um, have some outlets, you know, which and is also parking in front and parking in front and in back. Oh, is Both? there? Yeah, what and so, street parking? It's like three times. No, yeah, well, humble yeah. bee. right. Yeah. Humble, not humble parking.
1: That's right. What?
0: Gregarious parking.
1: <laughs> in your face parking. That's
0: right. <laughs> um so okay so I'm interested in this so you, then you went to Carnegie Mellon and yeah. we know this cuz I have a, obviously my wife I yeah, went to Carnegie Mellon we, we have a other. lot of friends from Carnegie Mellon yeah. so did you go there as a drama major
1: Okay so here's here I'm going to try to tell the short version of how I ended up there it was a little bit of an accident so like I knew nothing about this place mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it and so my mom was like um uh, I think because we used to live in Pittsburgh when I was a little girl, and we lived with my grandparents. And she was like, I think your grandparents used to go see plays at this place called Carnegie Mellon. Why don't you see if they have a drama program? So I go to our, you know, college room, which was like, back in our day, it was just like a room of... um, file you know drawers with file folders and if somebody had done the filing that day maybe you would find what you were looking for but like there was no internet there was no whatever so luckily there was a file for Carnegie Mellon I pulled it out I found the phone number I called turns out oh my goodness they do have a drama department how interesting and actually they do have a summer program for juniors uh going into their senior year of high school but it's closed the registration was closed so i begged them i called them multiple times i faxed them a three page single spaced resume just list after list after list of all the theater that i had done in the four years or the three years of high school cuz during the summers i did community theater i did costumes i was assistant director i directed play i just did anything anybody would let me do i was i i was also president of my class freshman sophomore year so oh, i wow. did a lot i was real busy and um and then by junior year, I was starting to book, like, the lead roles book. <laughs> I was starting to get cast as the lead roles. And I took myself very seriously. You know, it I had a lot on the line. But anyways, a Carnegie Mellon let me in. Yeah. And um, so I go for the six weeks. And I loved it. You know, the the training was very, very serious, really good. And they basically said, like, over the course of the six weeks, at the end of it, we will tell you whether or not we think you should follow this professionally. Um and so that's a that's like a big thing yeah. to be told. And by that time I had started to figure out like Carnegie Mellon was pretty important. And part of the reason I so did didn't was, know that
0: it was pre- prestigious school because no, it was no kind idea. of the local school there. That's what you thought. Yeah, I as. just I
1: just thought my grandparents saw plays at Carnegie. And it really wasn't until I got there because even the people around me, my drama teachers didn't know about it. Like I don't know what was going on, but nobody knew or said anything to me. Uh but once I got there, they bragged about themselves constantly. They are like, this is the best school. Everybody wants to get in this school, except for, they're like, besides Julia. They always had to give, yeah. like, the caveat next to Juilliard. Um, and they're like, you know, everybody applies. Nobody gets in. None of you are going to get in here. Like, there was a ton of pressure, you know. And I just, I that turned me off, personally. I just thought, you know, people who are that great don't go around saying how great they are all, all the time, like... I just was like, what? It's like, you don't have to toot your own horn all the time. And it bugged me. And the other thing that bugged me about it was that it seemed, in my opinion, you know, and whatever whatever view I had on the world then, was that the girls who sort of looked like women already, you know, like the blonde and big boobs and sort of adult looking, they're the ones that got the praise, you know? And they're the ones who the teachers were like, look, you have professional promise. And (laughs) looking back on that, Essentially they were right like coming out of high school and college those are the girls who get a lot of work things have started to change thanks mm-hmm. g- thank god but at the time i just thought that was insane thing to do because we had this class called drama lit where like all 130 160 kids would get together once a week for drama literature and this great teacher don marinella he's out there doing amazing things he he's the guy one of the guys that got me into school um so he would teach his class and he'd lead this lead this cheer about Pittsburgh and how great Pittsburgh was and I just wasn't having any of it at the time. I thought it was so cheesy. And then he'd be like, who wants to go to school here? And everybody would raise their hands and he's like, who doesn't? And it would be like me and literally like the one other person and it was like that one person who was like, definitely bananas. Do you know what I mean? Like just that one kid who's like, I have eight cats in my shirt. You're like, but do you? You might, you know? And so he'd be like, Emily, what? What's wrong with you? Why don't you want to come to school here? And I told him, I said, well, I think you brag about yourself too much. And I think that's weird. And I was like, also, you are given, I was like, no offense, ladies, but these ladies are getting all the credit for being, you know, saying that they're going to have the most professional promise. And they're not the best ones here. I was like, nobody in this room is going to look like what they're going to look like in four years. Like, we're literally 16. Our bodies could not be changing more. Right. So I just kind of called it out, and that was the end of that. And anyways, I left. I left the six weeks, and they were very positive to me. Um, I had a teacher in La Den, uh, who's the directing teacher, and this should have tipped me off, but it didn't. He said, uh, he had an accent, which I'm going to butcher right now, but he said, you know, he said, okay. He said, you are like Stanislavski. If you want to act, you have a God-given gift. You act. Okay. He said, but if you want to challenge yourself, hmm. You will direct. And of course, my sixteen-year-old mind is like, I'm like Stanislavski. <laughs> like, that's all I heard. i was <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm like Stanislavski. <laughs> I really didn't pay attention to the rest of that. Yeah. I should have. Uh, I think my ego was hungry back then. So I'm <laughs> like now, obviously. And um, so I went home, whatever, rest of the summer. I just thought, here comes senior year. Figure it out. On my birthday, August 24th, right before school started, senior year, I get a letter in the mail and it says, congratulations, you've been accepted to the Carnegie Mellon drama department. But then it said in bold black letters, all capital, not the acting option, but the directing option. So this was crazy on numerous levels. I'd openly said I didn't want to go to school there. I said I didn't really audition like they saw me work and stuff. So I think we had like an audition class. But in my mind, I didn't fill out any paperwork. I didn't like check a box being like, take me seriously, you know. Um, And I didn't know there was a directing major. I just did. It didn't occur to me. They had. So what happened? How did that happen? I don't know. Don Marinelli and Den Kizilov somehow got together when they were saying who of these students should. And actually that year, a lot of students got take. Sarah Roberts. Uh, I think I can't remember if it was Chris Connor. Uh Maybe James Pabson. But there's Sarah a Christy. Sarah
0: Roberts, who's, uh, well, now I know her mostly from her little band, her band, yes. the Ladies no, Gun no, Club, which is great. they're not so little anymore. Great. They're big in uh, Nashville Chris Conner, right who is on Altered Carbon. He yeah. plays uh, Poe. Yeah. Right? Uh, Superstar. So all these people that uh, are doing big yeah. things, as well as you. They just happen to be
1: two of my best friends. Right? So just, come
0: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Ladies Gun Club, I believe, is playing this week in Nashville, so with uh, Cafe Rooster. Cool. Um, I've, I don't I've know when seen this them is a couple air, times. I'm a big
0: fan of them. Yeah, they're
1: awesome. So... Anyways, I thought it was a terrible idea when I got this letter because I it was a theater school. Why would I go? Why would, it was a very expensive theater school and I thought, "Well, why would I go?" To $100,000, you know, that's just tuition to be like a poor theater director. Like that made no sense to me because the only theater I'd really seen so far was, you know, pretty, pretty poverty stricken. <laughs> well, that's not true. I used to usher. I used to volunteer to usher at Steppenwolf in Chicago just so I could see the plays for free. Wow. That was awesome. That was very, very cool experience. So I show up at Carnegie and, you know, the first day they have everybody meet in the Kresge Theater. And in come the actors and the musical theater students and the directors and the designers and the production Um people and everybody in there is the cream of whatever crop they came from, right? Everybody in there is great. And I just remember sitting there and like the female and male, I know it sounds weird to say female, but the actors and actresses, when they walked in, I feel like this is the closest experience I've ever had to what being an avatar might be like. They're all giant. They're just so glamorous. They just walked in like Christy Schultz was just a thousand feet high. You know what I mean? Amy Dahmer. Like all these just gorgeous, amazing people. The men were so masculine and handsome, you know, leading men and leading women everywhere. Yeah. And I was, it hit me. It hit me right then. I was like, oh, That's why I'm not an acting major. I was like in baggy jeans and a flannel. I mean, it took like six months before anybody believed I wasn't a production major, you know, but that first seven weeks of school, I think it was it was the first time they did it. They made all of us take each other's classes. They called them minis. So I was in design class. I was in, you know, musical theater class, which was excruciating for Almost everybody, because designers don't want to be in acting class. That's why they're designers, right. you know? Some people ha- were, you know, multi hyphenated, but most people were really good at what they did, right? So I found myself in acting class along with all the actors. And I was so mad, I was so pissed about this sort of being sidelined into uh, something that nobody asked me about, even though I always wanted to direct and I did direct. I mean, it wasn't, they probably knew me better than I knew myself at the time, frankly. Um, but I had a chip on my shoulder about it. You know, I knew yeah. it was about the way I looked and I uh, it upset me. And so I decided that I would spend that seven weeks just throwing down, just making sure there wasn't a soul in the room or the department that didn't know I was one of the best actors in the building, regardless of what my uh, major was, right? right? It was just something I was doing for myself. I didn't think anything would ever come of it. I thought I had been bested. The game was over. You know, I just, it was just, Purely in defiance. <laughs> and then by Thanksgiving, the teachers came to me of the acting department. They were like, Do you want to switch majors? We've already talked to Lizorian, who's the head of the department at the time. And um, she said it was okay. And they said she wants to meet with you. So she called me in and <laughs> to make sure I was serious yeah. to see if I wanted to do it. And I did. And, you know, I just thought at the time that my rationale was it's better to train your voice and your body when you're young and then. When I'm older as a director, maybe I have something to say. So that's what I did. Tried to double major. Eventually had to just give it up and be an actor. And I graduated, and then I moved to New York City.
0: Yeah. You've done something that I haven't done for, which is work on a like a medical procedural yeah. show, right? Yeah. Code Black. Yes. Um,
1: and you played Hannah, is that who it was? Yeah, I played uh, Hannah Reynolds, who was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the pilot, which was really fun and really great. And I was Hannah Reynolds. I sort of worked the front desk. And that was great because we shot it in... The condemned uh, old L.A. hospital. Yeah. And uh, so they cleaned cleaned it out. Hmm? Where is that? It's downtown. It's sort of to, I want to say the east side of downtown. It's a big stone, big old, almost looks like a giant mausoleum. I had a friend who uh, was in the burn unit uh, for a while and we went to go visit him and I hated being in that building, man. That building is definitely feels haunted. I've I've shot in a couple of old hospitals for different things. This one we spent the most time in, but um whew, you did not want to be believe left that? alone. Believe, uh... I this is what I believe in, is like I you'd go down all these empty hallways and they're big hallways to like large rooms that nobody's in yeah. and nobody's been in. And uh like they set up crafty in this one area. And so you're always there with other people. And every now and then I would find myself alone in the crafty room. And it was like down a couple hallways to get to it. And the way the tables were set up, there was sort of like behind it was like it was the I I think it was even part of the old kitchen. But there was all this empty space that had doorways that just went to God knows where. And one time I not one time, but if I ever found myself alone in there, it's like all the hair on my arms would go up. And there was always a radio playing in there. And one time the radio went off and I try not to put any like but and I didn't think anything. Maybe somebody turned it off like I didn't think anything of it. But all of a sudden I was there by myself and I heard the silence and I was like, oh, my God, that is why there's a radio on in here all the time. This place is terrifying. I was like, this place is crawling with energy. And I was like, I need to be distracted from the reality of this. It was spooky.
0: Yeah, This is not something we planned on talking about. But, you know, my parents actually, uh, when I was in high school, they bought this in my small town in Nebraska where I was living, like 2,000 people. They bought the old hospital. Oh and they they turn it into like little apartments. It didn't look exactly like a hospital. Yeah. it looked yeah. kind of like a house yeah you know man i i i I feel like I'm still kind of traumatized from like because yeah. you know if my parents like before I could drive, they'd be like, okay, uh, when you're done with practice, just go hang out at the old hospital until we're what? done. I'm like, <laughs> uh and I Where would always. That horror
1: film. I Let's know. write and that. I would
0: always have to just like turn. I would always have a radio on and just yes. turn it up loud because I didn't want to hear. Exactly. Because if I turned it off, I would just hear like random noises. And I'm like, wait, yeah. is
1: anyone living here now? I don't think they're You they know are. how then you get are that are feeling noises? somebody's looking at you and you turn? Yeah. It's like that feeling all the time yep. in there, except multiple people yeah. are looking at you.
0: And then occasionally, oh, occasionally, ahead. my dad was like, oh, uh, and can you go get my tools I left in the basement? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> and the
1: basement just oh. looked like.
0: Is that where the morgue was? It looked like every basement of like uh, that you don't ever want to be in.
1: Problem uh, is, is that in hospitals, kitchens and morgues kind of look the same. There's all these refrigerator doors. Oh yeah, it's I don't terrifying. know
0: where the morgue... I tried to never think about where oh. the morgue was, oh. but oh. Oh.
1: yeah, Skin but crawling. interesting.
0: I totally you know, get here's that. Here's the
1: thing. You know, I don't know if I believe in ghosts or what, but I do believe in energy. I do believe that like excess energy is left over, and the reason I believe it is because of the theater. You know, I spent the first. 20 years of my life as an actor working in theaters and my friends would make fun of me because I would do this thing called sorceling. So my way of focusing before I would go on stage for a show is I'd go backstage and I'd just imagine like, All of the leftover energy left in in the building in those high ceilings from the audience, from the characters, from the actors, just all these little bits of story and, you know, just humanity swirling around and that were sort of like left behind. And I would kind of like stir them up with my arms and like bring them down to me and just ask that like, you know, the energy of this theater help me bring the story across because you have to, in a theater of 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 people, you know, we weren't miked back in those days unless yeah. you were singing. And so, you know, that was that was my way of sort of like, and I, f- I feel that. I think you can tell the difference between a new theater and an old theater. Sure. When you walk in, you can feel the difference. It just doesn't feel freaky yeah. the way a yeah. hospital does. Man.
0: Yeah, that brings back some memories. Well, that's re- a crazy We had, we had to reshingle the roof, and it, it had like an impossibly steep roof. Oh and my I was always god. just like, I was because I watched movies back then, like The Omen, and I was like, yeah. I'm gonna fall off somehow. Fall off. You of are
1: shingling th- the roof. Me and my dad. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and you—they know, they, they just had like Brent. A f- I'm usurping, and I'm helping you write this horror film. Yeah, let's do it immediately. I
0: never thought of it, but like this now, is genius. We have to write we it. Don't
1: have we have to. Okay, let's do oh it. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Um. So, uh.
0: Hmm. Ever have any weird like medical jargon you had to say on the show? That's the type of thing like I go into <laughs> for those auditions. Like you have to be yeah. able to spew out these things really quickly. I didn't
1: have that much. Every now and then I'd have a little bit, but for the most part I was like because I was like the check-in lady. I was like listening to people, and then they would say the medical jargon. Um, but I will say this at the table reads. You know we'd all be sitting around this big giant square of tables, and when anybody at the table read was able to like cruise through their medical jargon. It was like everybody applauded. Like mm-hmm. you, that was an expected thing. Like tr- tripping over that stuff like I just did uh, was a little – it was unamusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you got it, everybody's like, yeah. It was like sticking a landing or cool. something, you know.
0: And you know, how much fun was it working with Luis Guzman? Because I'm oh, a big fan of his. I mean – I don't know. I mean maybe it's crazy.
1: No, it's not crazy. He's awesome. Yeah. He's funny because <laughs> – <laughs> he was the head nurse, and I at first I was the only other sort of like, well, I guess there were others, but, uh, you know, I was a nurse that was around a lot, too. Yeah. Eventually, the nurses sort of got kind of written out, and they had just a f- couple nurses here and there, because every season there was a new batch of young doctors, so they had like, they had a cast of like 14 leads at any given time so they yeah. had a lot of story to cover and uh, in this one it wasn't for the nurses but um, but they were very kind to me they threw me a ton of bones um, but Luis he was so funny he would always like because particularly in the second season I wouldn't be there very often like I would come back in all of a sudden and I'd walk in and it was like people saw a ghost they're like what she's back Because I had no storyline, you know. I was what my friends would call a dirty Q-tip job. We used to always, back in the day, we'd be like, oh, I just want a dirty Q-tip job. And what that meant was you wanted a job on one of the procedurals, like one of the detective shows where they go to the lab and the guy walks by with like a tray of like dirty Q-tips and he's like, I'm going to run the tests. And then he leaves. (laughs) And then like he comes back later in the episode and he's like, I ran the tests. Here the result. It's a doozy. And then he leaves again. Like and then he comes on like every third or fourth episode, you yeah. know. But it's not really a storyline, it's just information. And we are always like, That's a good job because that <laughs> that is some bread and butter you can uh pay your bills with while you're, you know, searching for the the meaty roles. Right. So I was lucky I got one that year. And um Luis always <laughs> We had real nurses and paramedics who worked with us on set. And so we had a particular group of nurses and one one woman in particular who was sort of head of teaching us what to do. So it wasn't even so much, it, of course, we had to say things correctly, but we also had to try to do things correctly. So our hands, there was, the whole premise of the show was that this was the Wild West of emergency medicine. And so when patients came in, it was, you know, They would slam in. It would be all this action. And this is all based on uh, the documentary Code Black, which I highly recommend watching, um, because that hospital had a really unique situation uh, based on the fact that the building, it was all about the building. The building was so old, it couldn't keep up with HIPAA regulations. So they kept getting all these passes about not modernizing their ER. But because of that, it was a teaching hospital. They ended up doing all of these like intense medical procedures like in the I think the 70s, maybe not the 70s. I watched the documentary, but for decades that in other hospitals, uh, they wouldn't have done because they would be sued. Um, They had also had a very uh, the populace because it was a public hospital didn't have a lot of money. So in some ways, they were able to like experiment. And it sounds kind of terrible on one hand. But on the other hand, they moved emergency medicine up super far like decades wow. it modernized it and people would clamor to study there yeah. uh, because, and it was bloody and it was fast and it was intense and you know it was Los Angeles uh, they would have and the reason the show is called, called uh, Code Black is because in co- a code black in a hospital is when there are more patients than there are resources it tells you that at the top of the show yeah. um, and most hospitals are in code black a couple times a year in LA it was a couple times a week Wow. So that was the nature of this place. It was a very intense place to be. So um, there were nurses there who would like teach us what to do and uh, yeah. how to hold syringes and what order in which to do these things. Right. I found that to be really cool and really fun. Cool. And plus we had tons of extras every day. It was a hu- There were yeah. so many people on set. Right. Um,
0: so before we get out of here, yeah. we have to talk about escape rooms because we said yes. we would, yes. uh, What well, I guess what I would like to ask you, uh, cause you and I do a lot of escape rooms together, yeah. pretty successful. Yeah. Uh, both of our significant others are also great at escape that's rooms. That's right. It's true. Uh, is it, is there a, is there, cause we're pretty good at escape rooms. I'll yeah. say that. You is
1: guys there, are like the maestros though. Well, we're kind of like acceptable. Okay.
0: I'll accept that. But you know, yeah. you just because you guys haven't done as many, that's, that's, that's all I'll say. So is there, is there a, a tie-in with like something that makes you good in an escape room that also would make you uh, good as an actor.
1: I think so. I mean, I say that, but then I'm sure there are plenty of people who are not actors who are great at escape room. So, well, but they could be actors; exclusive. they're just not. You to know, they me, might have a skill. I think like I don't know. I feel like it tickles the same, you know, excitement in me in the sense of like. There's a mystery and you have to – I think it's the focus. It's like 50 mm-hmm. minutes of just solid focus and you have to figure things out and make connections and say, oh, this goes with that and that goes with this. And there's always a theme. And I think what I like about escape rooms is because it's like installation art, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're inside the art piece. You're inside the set. So there's a whole story going on. Like we did that weird one about um, the Greek myths, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were like on Mount yeah. Olympus, you know. Uh, but then you do one that's like a film noir in a detective detective's office and i like it because it feels like acting because here are the props and here's you know the sky wall. odyssey was the name of the one at
0: maze rooms in los yeah. angeles good very nice room yeah
1: it was great it was really challenging um yeah i think i
0: think you're right and i think there's something to me uh that's that's similar in that we're figuring out kind of like a a mystery and let you kind of figure out what the script means and then you're also having to deliver that under pressure yeah. whether you're at an audition whether you have 60 minutes in an escape room so yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah I I mean
1: this is making uh, me want to go do an escape right? room let's go do one right after
0: okay <laughs> uh, so uh, in in the future there'll be a yeah. movie called the Emily Nelson story yeah who's going to play Emily Nelson in that story
1: <sighs> I don't know you know if there is somebody I haven't met her yet I think I'm too threatened still yeah <laughs> I don't want to meet a younger version Uh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's maybe maybe Oscar Isaacs. Maybe he could Ooh. He could Oscar give it a Isaacs. Card. I feel like he would get my Is that Poe Damery? <laughs> I don't know. What is that? Is he a star star? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Poe I don't pay attention to their names. He's great in it. Yeah. He's great in everything. He's, he's great Ex in everything. Machina. He's awesome. He could play you.
0: Sure. I you I, I accept that. Yeah. Right?
1: Cuz he's, cuz he's so talented. Yeah. I don't know if he'd want to, frankly, but he's a little tall for the role and a little thin Ah. and a little mustachioed. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in Hollywood, there's two things Hollywood can't do. They can't create content. They can't make you skinny. Everything else they can do. Yeah. So they can make him me. They'd probably have a hard time turning me into him, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been amazing. Amazing. Uh, if you'd like to get more into the breakfast shows, such as pics of Emily Nelson and I having breakfast at the Humble Bee Cafe, there are a bunch of ways to do that. You can hit up the breakfast on the Instagram page at Brentfast Podcast. My personal Instagram and Twitter are at Scoops Pope. And you can also find me on my Facebook actor page under Brent Pope. Emily Nelson, what is coming up for you? Anything you want to plug? And uh, where can we find you on social media?
1: Oh my goodness. I wish you told me you were going to ask me this so I could... Okay, on Instagram, uh, I think I am... The real Emily Nelson. I think I, I believe am that's correct. On yeah. Twitter, I'm also the real Emily Nelson.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, Facebook, you can find me. I have like a fan page there. I'm okay. not I'm not personally there very often. Um. So that's where. So I I'm auditioning. I don't I don't think I have anything. Oh no, yes I do. I just uh, there's a show coming out called Platform. Um. That uh, B J Novak I believe is the mastermind behind. So I... Uh, I worked did some work on that, so I'm excited. We'll Very see when cool. that comes out. I'm not. I think it might be Amazon. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. And. Um, and you also have your acting classes. I do. I teach acting in Los Angeles, and I coach uh, professional actors.
0: You coach me sometimes. I do. Quite a bit. I wasn't going to yeah. say it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do. I keep coming back, so I must uh, I mean, enjoy the coaching that I'm getting. Right.
1: Yeah. Look at this online plug. Breakfast. Uh, uh, so you can find it about Emily that. Sponsored by Emily Nelson. <laughs>
0: Acting classes.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's uh, real simple. It's actingclasswithemilynelson.com. And uh, also, you can, I go, we go by ASEN, ACEN, A C E N, studio. So, ACEN Studio, you can find us on Instagram. Um, but yeah, reach out. I teach all levels. Uh, we make it specific to the student. Um, we have classes in Burbank. And other studios as well. Cool.
0: Well, uh, Emily, you're a great friend of mine. I'm so happy you came on the show. Uh, I'm it's so happy been I delightful. And uh,
1: let's go do an escape room. Okay. Yeah. You know what? The studio door is locked.
0: Oh, uh, well, Daniel's we not go. outside
1: anymore. <laughs> How do we get How out? How do we get out?
0: And with that, guys, that uh, wraps up another episode of Breakfast in the Old To Go Bag. See ya.